Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Wednesday, October 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Isn't it great when the news fairy shows up? We had news stories that we were planning on doing, and then the news fairy just showed up right before we started taping. The stories we were planning on doing were worthless <laughs> compared to the news fairy delivery. Well, I wouldn't say they're worthless. Because we're still doing them. Because we're still doing them. That's, oh, the, that's, the, that's the main reason I wouldn't say oops. they're worthless. Um, and In fact, let's, let's start with <laughs> one of the so-called worthless stories. We're off to another great start. Uh, earnings, third quarter profits for Delta Airlines coming in higher than expected. Ed Bastian, the CEO, said it was a very good quarter, especially considering the impact of the recent hurricanes. I will note, however, he did stop short of parroting uh, Doug Parker's line. Doug Parker, the CEO of American Airlines, who recently came out and said, We're never going to lose money again. So, things are amazing at American Airlines. At Delta Airlines, they're merely very good. Yeah, I think, uh, and that sums up the whole thing, right there. You've covered it. Should we move on? Yeah, as I said, the other stories are much more. No, so Delta had a pretty good quarter. Of course, the impact of the hurricanes was uh, already known, and uh, so earnings were down, uh, earnings per share down a bit uh, year over year, but less than expected, uh, as as they operated pretty efficiently. other than the hurricane news, and at this point, it's no longer news because it's it's priced in. But it's been a pretty good run for airlines in general, and uh, Delta's been, you know, not not moving as a stock for the last couple of years compared to what it did in 2013, 2014. But you you don't quadruple your price over a two-year period and then just get to keep doing that. It would be nice if you did. It would be nice, and and simply to have maintained the sort of forty billion ish market cap that it had, uh, they bought back some shares, and and uh, that's worked out. But it's been sort of a flat stock over the last couple of years. I don't know about you, but I still find it a little weird and a little difficult to get used to the idea that airlines might actually be stocks worth owning. I, okay, and I think that the reason. Why you think it's weird is because you have been raised on lines such as Buffett's about killing uh, the Wright brothers rather than letting them create airlines, as it was a place for people to lose money as investors for uh, all of the decades that there were uh, 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 that had airline stock investment as a possibility until about the last five six years, except for Southwest. For a very long Except time, that was the one airline worth owning. But and the the reason can be summed up, I think, more or less entirely by you used to be able to get on an airplane and expect to lay out in the seats if you had. And this is a problem for me because I have an international flight coming up, um, and and I, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to stretch out. Uh, across three seats, or four, or five, as as uh, you could back in the day. You just take the middle, the mid, I don't know. Are there five? Uh, you know, do they have that anymore? Yeah, yeah, five seats in the middle. Five seats in the middle. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. When I when uh, over the summer when we flew over to London and 
and then back. We were on one of those planes, and 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 there are some people who can just tick off the who'd you who'd you put different. in that middle fifth seat? Um, oh, I wasn't actually in the middle. No, but put, uh, one put of any the, of your kids. in One there? of the kids was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, hey, you're a kid. You, well, and also, first of all, you're you sm- pay for the seats if you want an aisle seat. You're smaller than me. And I know that of the two of us, you're much more likely to fall asleep than I am. I don't have that superpower to fall asleep on place. Where Where are you going, by the way? Where's your international flight? Oh, this is the. I'm going going to Dubai. This will be fun. Uh, I'll be there for about 48 hours and then come back. I mean, when we think about quick turnaround trips, Dubai is high on that list. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it's that's what you get when you spend 650 bucks on a. a Round trip plane ticket to Dubai is fantastic. Not a great seat experience. And okay, so that is the flight's going to be full. I know that. You know that. You don't need to know anything more about the fact that the flight is going to be full other than that it is a modern day flight. And so airlines are filling up all the seats, and that's a lousy experience for the traveler, uh, especially in economy. And that is the trade off is that uh, investors are now making money by owning efficiently run companies. And whereas before it was a little bit more of a pleasure to uh, get through security and get onto a a plane and have lots of room to stretch out, uh, none of the experience is any longer pleasurable, but uh, it it makes more business sense. Let's move on to Micron Technology. Uh, Shares of the chipmaker down a little bit this morning after the company announced uh, plans for a $1 billion secondary stock offering. Micron says they're going to use the money to pay down the uh, company debt. Nobody really likes the secondary stock offering, except for, obviously, the company itself. But uh, when you look at the stock selling off, uh, because it's dilution, and we don't like dilution. Yeah, it's a, it's a supply and demand equation where there are more shares available, uh, the supply is greater, and therefore, you know the demand is going to be um, it is going to take a hit. So it is on the price. It's really only off about a percent. The stock is up 91 percent for the year. So this makes a world of sense. Where you have not necessarily an excessive amount of debt. I think it's about nine billion that Micron uh, is carrying, and on the balance sheet um, for long-term debt. And why not? Why not take advantage of a stock uh, that's up? Doubled over the year and more, you know, than that over the last couple of years, and just sort of it, it changes the capital allocation question a little bit, makes it a little bit, it, it raises the floor. That is, if things go wrong and you're holding a lot of debt, those are bad times um, to be, and uh, these are good times. So take a well uh, enhanced stock price. Convert that into some cash and pay down some debt. I think it, it not only makes sense, but the uh, market is not treating it with any great amount of panic. Speaking of capital allocation, Walmart yesterday announcing a $20 billion stock buyback plan. And for the day, well, just between yesterday and today, I think shares of Walmart are up something like 6%. Something like that, which is, I mean, for a company of Walmart size, that, that might as well be. That's like shooting to the moon for Walmart. Yes, uh, exactly. It is the other side of the equation where you're taking shares out of the market by a buyback. Uh, you are increasing the earnings per share uh, as share is the uh, 
denominator in that equation, and so that helps support the you know future earnings per share numbers uh, for the com- company. Uh, it is priced at about 20 times earnings, trailing earnings at the moment, which is a little bit cheaper than the market uh, multiple, which is more like 23. Uh, so not uh, they're not going to buy back all these shares today, obviously, but they've got the cash to do it. Uh, the expansion of stores uh, that are on the books doesn't really call for uh, a whole lot of um, of that cash, so it makes sense to. They're investing in the online operation, obviously, and that has been pretty well received. And I think that was also a big part of the move yesterday was the story of the online operation. Doug McMillan's doing a really good job at that company. I, I, I you look at shares of Walmart. Over the past twelve months, the stock's up about twenty six percent. And if they keep that up, if that continues to tick up, not that this is anything that is um, in any way meaningful for investors necessarily, but I think you have to put Doug McMillan on the short list uh, for CEO of the year when you just think about where Walmart has been for so long, both as a as a brand and as a stock, and the fact that he came in a couple of years ago. And engineered that acquisition of Jet.com, and as you said, the the guidance that they gave around online sales yesterday, along with the twenty billion dollars stock buyback, that helped it really boost the stock. So, if, returning it to its glory days, in a sense, between nineteen seventy four uh, and uh, I think two thousand and fourteen, some data that I'm gleaning from an article that I'm going to recommend to people. Uh, Walmart was up. The stock was up twenty three percent a year, or those were the returns all per in, year. Per year, that's a hell of a four run. decades, <laughs> which would turn uh, ten thousand a ten thousand dollar initial investment in seventy four to forty five million dollars forty years later. That is the power of compounding, and Walmart uh, has has sort of taken a breather. Had. At the very least, taking a breather, and I wouldn't expect 23% annualized returns to appear again over a period of four decades because uh, the growth that Walmart had available to it in the 1970s is clearly not the same today. Uh, and the competition from Amazon is is significant, and you just you don't plug in top line growth of, of double digit numbers uh, into Walmart. Now, by the way, the 74 to uh, 2014 it was also uh, large chunks of that period were supported by high rates of inflation. So when you say the stock was up 23 percent during you know in an era when inflation was above 10 percent for part of that time, uh, it's it, those aren't those are not the same as uh, today's returns, which are supported by almost you know you know one to two percent inflation. Uh, but this is an article from uh, Philosophical Economics, which is a phenomenal uh, space online, and it's about this 1974 annual report and, and what you could take from not just looking at how much the returns were, but how how you would have gone about trying to value Walmart in 1974 and, and the price you should have been willing to pay for it, which was significantly higher. Obviously, than the price that it did go for, even though in 1974 it was an above market multiple stock. Send me the link, and we'll we'll put that out on the Market Foolery Twitter feed. Share it with the folks. 
The news ferry, as mentioned at the top of the show, showed up this morning with the news that Coach is changing the name of the company to Tapestry. Let's let's go over that again, shall we? Coach, <laughs> known for middle to high end handbags, mainly for that, is changing the name of the company to Tapestry. And I I'm guessing because I haven't read the company's statements. You and I were were actually in a conference room together talking about well, what are we going to talk about on the show today? And this news came over the Twitter feed and you said, you know what? Let's not actually do any research. Let's let's not read what the company says. Let's not read about their justification. So, um, and I think longtime listeners uh, would expect nothing less from us than to do absolutely no prep whatsoever I on a story like this. I think the thing they would be most surprised by is the um, implication that we have done research for some other <laughs> for some other stories. Um, so, Coach owns. You do research. I do some research. Yeah, yeah. Well, and clearly you did with that Walmart article that you read. Three years ago. Okay, I just have a phenomenal memory. Oh, okay. like 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 Trump. He's got an amazing memory. I'm not even going to go so there. So he says. Um, so coach You're smart. <laughs> coach has um, over the last couple of years actually branched out and made some acquisitions. They bought Kate Spade. They bought Stuart Weitzman, and and I'm assuming that Tapestry is just sort of the parent name that they're going with, and that they're going to keep the Coach. Stores. They're not going to rebrand the coach stores or the coach handbags as tapestry. Um, I don't know. My, my gut instinct in situations like this, and certainly with Tronk, with Tribune publishing, you know, Tribune Media announcing that they're changing to Tronk, my batting average is actually pretty bad when it comes to making fun of companies who have name changes. Because putting aside Tronk, I'm standing by that one. I feel good about that one. That's a long-term play. That's a long-term play I feel good about. But in the past, when Philip Morris changed their name to Altria, when uh, Arthur Anderson changed to Accenture, uh, when Google changed to Alphabet, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Oath. Oath? Oath. Well, yeah. Yahoo's no longer really a standalone public company. No, but uh, Verizon... Putting the AOL Yahoo yeah. uh, under the Oath, the exciting Oath brand. I'm saying th- that was. You could look at those other occasions and say oh, that was a good time to buy those stocks when when Chris was totally mocking the name change, because you would have done well if you had bought Philip Morris when it changed to Altria, Arthur Anderson when it changed to Accenture, and Google. Well, pretty much at any point. That's not to imply that you're not going to mock this name change. It's just that the mocking may not mean don't buy the stock. Exactly. So, Tapestry, uh, I think that as uh, this was mocked downstairs uh, momentarily uh, before I came up here, and uh, Nate Weishart pointed out uh, intelligently, and so I'll steal it, uh, this seems to imply, you know, a a reach out to royalty, you know, with with the tapestry. Because what, what do you think of when you think of tapestries? Honestly, when I saw this, and I, when I just saw the word, they're changing their name to tapestry, uh, I am of a certain age where my mind went immediately to Carol King's album. Oh, well, uh, yeah, my mind. Great album by Carol King with a ton of great songs on it. Uh, can you sing any? Can you hum a few? Nope, nope. Not going to do that. Not going to punish the listener. Maybe we'll throw something <laughs> on the end of the show. But um, anyway, Dan Boyd, he he's might. got a better voice. 
Oh, yeah, he, he's a, he actually has musical talent. Yeah, but so Nate was Nate was going. Oh, they're they're going after royalty. Yeah, because it's not because you, don't you picture a castle? Like, how how are you decorating the castle? Put some tapestries. tapestries. I think it's a you know a Game of Thrones play. Okay, now, now that all that like 16th century or whenever that uh, might have occurred, uh, you know, imagery is in people's minds. You think they're going to offer some some sort of tie-in with Game of Thrones, something dragon-related? What also? So, like, what's the adjective that comes to mind when you think of tapestry? You've got it. Rich, a rich tapestry. That's that's what always modifies tapestry, right? Yeah. Okay. A rich tapestry is as a sort of metaphor for life or you know experiences or something like that. So you've got the rich play there as well. Do you think some version of this conversation that we're having right now played out in a boardroom at Coach? Well, an intelligent version of this conversation. That's what I meant. And rather than a mocking one. <laughs> no, but like, just, let's come up with a name we can mock. That's the thing. Someone said, no, here's the name. It's tapestry. Here's yeah, why. Yeah, well, because umbrella's taken. I think it's so what it implies is, and all right, here's the intelligent part of it. Uh, you coach for a long time, standalone company. And running the coach stores, and then it, it makes a play to diversify by first Stuart Weitzman, then Kate Spade. So, what you at this point, I believe, management is saying, and probably has been saying to the employees of the acquisitions, is, oh, you're not, you know, this smaller um, sort of side project that coaches the big thing that we care about in this company, uh, and that's the namesake and, and all that. Now they've changed their name. It's that, hey, we are a, a tapestry of, of many different companies and, and a rich tapestry, I think they would be so bold as to say. Uh, and you're part of it. And, uh, and everybody is playing an equal part. Um, now that uh, may or may not be taken by everybody, or they may uh, want to hold on to their independence to the degree they can within this rich tapestry of companies that is being woven by the management of uh, Coach or uh, formerly known as coach. And I, so I think that's the communication is, is more probably with both within the company, you know, and to investors is, hey, don't look at what is going on with coach. Look at what is going on in the, you know, luxury brand uh, conglomeration that we're building. So on the surface, you're leaning more towards alphabet than trunk. On the spectrum of rebrands, yes. But you, you really hate Trunk. What's not to hate? <laughs> Before we go on, I want to say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage about Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Chances are someone at Tribune Media was really confident about the name Trunk. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. And to get started, all you have to do is go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. From Mike Booth in Padawawa, Ontario. 
I uh, wanted to take uh, wanted to take a minute and thank you for what you do and show some appreciation. I listened to the entire bonus episode recently, although I did ask myself why I was still listening around the forty minute mark when you yourselves posed that question. I, again, if if nothing else from the hour long hour plus long bonus episode that we did uh, with our colleague Roger Friedman, if nothing else, we really tried to emphasize uh, there are better ways to spend your time than to listen. Oh yes, yeah. and we'll we'll do that again. However, what I would say is, for my money, and I don't have any money on this, um, but with the forty-minute mark is where it actually started to get modestly decent. So I could certainly see getting to the forty-minute mark and saying, "When is there going to be something worth listening to here?" And it sort of picks like, up right now. Yeah, that's that's because because we got into the comedy influences. Exactly. Uh, Mike goes on to ask. Because when you email marketfoolery@fool.com, you can ask stock questions. Uh, Mike asks, with the recent Citron short of Shopify, your commentaries got me thinking. Since Andrew left, uh, who heads up Citron, uh, since Andrew left is apparently known for making sensationalized reports about companies he is shorting, is there no such law which prohibits people of influence from commenting on companies in which the outcome of those comments will invariably make them money? It seems like this ought to be illegal. Uh, it's a great question, and and several people have emailed me some version of that question. And uh, since you're a lawyer, or you were once upon a time, um, I, I think I think part of why we get this question has to do with the fact that it's shorting, uh, and and therefore. Particularly in the case of this report about Shopify, the hyperbole was was pretty damn high. Uh, when when you come out and you say Shopify is you know a scheme worse than Herbalife, and and um, you know it's not just calling into question, hey, we think this stock is overvalued, or hey, we think there might be some sort of shenanigans going on at Company X. Uh, they really brought the heat with this report. Um, so. To Mike's question and the question we've gotten from others, um, it kind of does seem like there should be some sort of, if not law, some sort of regulation about people with skin in the game being able to short like this. Well, it's uh, yeah, it does come into question uh, more often from a reaction to a publication by a short seller. So to start up with what the sort of the business is here, and then to address what. Problems there might be with it is Citron and others uh, look for uh, companies which are overvalued, stocks which are overvalued, maybe because uh, they're just in a bubble, maybe because there's an accounting question, uh, which will turn into an accusation in, in the published research, typically, uh, or you know that that that's a pyramid scheme and. Uh, and then you go through the research, say, oh, "Wow, this the market is misunderstanding this company. I'm going to short it because the the value of the stock is way too high. Sell the shares and then cover later and, and make money as the stock goes down." Having done the research and having made that bet, it is in your interest to publicize the reasons why you ha- why you feel that, so that the market can see your research and react to it. Now, Citron has a Good record. So, in doing so, uh, the market typically does sell off a stock. Now, people may believe, think that Citron 
then quickly covers its position, having just sort of generated a headline, make a quick buck and get out uh, off of the sensational uh, headlines. Uh, I, I don't understand that to be their business, that they stay in it for the long term. They publicize the results uh, of what the stocks have done uh, from the time of their publication, so people can see and judge for themselves uh, what their record is. Uh, amounts to, and they don't get everything right. So it's not. Uh, I, I'll I'll take uh, issue with the word invariably uh, as being you know one of the outcomes here. Now, uh, are are they or anybody else you know honest or dishonest as they go about this? I have no reason to believe that uh, Citron is is dishonest in the way they've done their business. So it is if if it is. As some people might think, I'm not saying that the uh, writer uh, here believes this, but uh, certainly many people think that's what short sellers are just trying to manipulate stock prices. And the positive um, phrasing of that is they're trying to reveal the true value. Just as if you buy a stock after due diligence and, and like it and like its story and think it's undervalued, and you say these are the reasons why this company is worth investing in as the Motley Fool does with with research, it publishes evaluations of companies as being worth investing in for the long term, uh, and you publicize the, the research. You're you know you're putting your words behind your your money, and and so there's nothing intrinsically illegal about doing that as a short seller. There is something intrinsically illegal about manipulating stock prices uh, with falsehoods, as there should be. Right, right. Uh, although it's very, very hard uh, to actually catch somebody in you know sort of a knowing falsehood, because there's you know there's always a rich tapestry to the story <laughs> behind every stock and its valuation. Um, we're going to end on a slightly lighter note, um, and that is, of course, coffee, uh, because Tyler Crow, who's um, one of our contributors here at the Motley Fool, uh, brought me some coffee uh, from Malawi, and um, this might be the greatest, and I haven't drunk it yet. It's still in the package. It might be the greatest package of coffee uh, I've ever seen because the tagline on the front of the package is placing your health first. So, as we've talked about numerous times, coffee, increasingly as, as research shows, might be the healthiest drink on the planet. It might be the tagline for this show. Placing your health first. Placing your health first. I don't see how that's at all what this show is about. But it is when we talk about coffee. Oh yeah. Because whereas we could go on and on and on about the delicious taste of coffee. I mean, sure. That's that's a couple of hours right there. It is. Speaking of long shows that no one wants to listen to. Exactly. However, we always, as a public service, highlight the important health benefits of drinking. A lot of coffee. Yeah, the more the more you drink, the healthier you get. That's just science. Um, on the back of the package, um, underneath sort of the uh, uh, standard information about here's where this was made and here's the story of our company, uh, there's a little note that says, "Dear customer, through research, it was discovered that coffee offers you more health benefits than pleasure." Let me read that again. Dear customer, through research, it was discovered that coffee offers you more health benefits than pleasure. I think my favorite part of that sentence is the opening phrase, through research. Science. Yeah, because it basically says, 
look, whatever comes after the phrase "through research," don't e- don't you dare dispute what we're about to say here, because you know what we have on our side? Research. Research. We've got research. Science. Um, so yeah, God God bless the people at uh, I think it's Mizuzu is how you pronounce that Mizuzu Specialty Coffee from Mal- Malawi, placing your health first. And and thank you, thank you for sending that in and um, being part of uh, our drive to educate people about the importance of coffee is um, really one of the I don't know how many essential food groups are there three, two. What are the others? Red meat. You need a lot of coffee if you're going to have red meat as the other food group in your diet. I think that's probably true. Yeah, but coffee is it's going to be when they redo the food pyramid. Coffee is going to be like the bottom layer, you know, the widest one. So you're saying let's not let's dispense with the classification of food versus beverage. Let's everything competes with everything else, and so when it comes to the Mount Rushmore of foods, one is coffee, and another one is red meat. Yeah, and um, supposedly fruits and vegetables are in there. Uh, I think that's for another show. <laughs> it's a legend. <laughs> it's for another show. Uh, Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.